how the tech are you? This is our weekly tech show on Echoplex Media. We talk about tech news, science news, any tech and science type topics we feel like talking about. I am historian Matt. I like to talk about uh, different things. A lot of like, um, I don't know, uh, earth type stuff is going to be today and uh, a little bit about security. Uh, but today my two topics are, my first one is your chocolate is killing the earth. And I'll get into what's going on with that. And the second one is 48 states are destroying robocallers. And I may be playing around with uh, clickbaity titles. So <laughs> how about All right. uh, I am, the cat? Okay. Thank you. I am HK Perrin and you can, uh, I, I uh, cover mostly uh, software engineering topics uh, as a software engineer myself. And I've got two really cool ones today. They're both pretty short. Uh, the first one is that EPUB 3.3 was released. Uh, as a W3C recommendation, and I'll tell you why that matters and why it's really cool. Uh, and my second one is the latest Dino release supports compiling NPM packages. Uh, and I'll tell you why that's really cool too. And I'm producer Dave. I am the producer of this and all the other shows here on Echoplex Media. I have two stories as well. Uh, one is Elon's companies are pissing off the neighbors in Texas. And the other one is the... HP's most popular printer is a big old jerk. So take it away, Matt. Okay, so quickly, uh, your chocolate is killing the earth, which you probably are not terribly surprised about, but this is specifically, we've got some science on it. Uh, basically, a team of European researchers collated a map of cocoa farms in Ghana and the Ivory Coast. Ivory Coast has a French name that I'm not even going to try to pronounce, but I'm just going with our Ivory Coast for now. Anyways, they used uh, some satellite images, and because this is a tech show, you know, of course they used the neural network to uh, generate the maps. But just to verify the results, because we're not going to be uh, reliant on just satellite images and, and AI, they actually sent researchers into the field to verify that the fields that they thought were cocoa fields were actually cocoa fields. Uh, and they found that uh, about 5% of protected areas in Ghana and about 15% in the Ivory Coast have been converted to cocoa farms. So I assume that what they mean by protected areas, that would be like, you know, parks or, you know, other, other reserves and stuff where people are not really supposed to be doing any farming and the land is just supposed to be left for nature so people can uh, enjoy the nature there. But um, other than protected areas... In non-protected areas, cocoa farming, where cocoa farming was the most dense, about 40% of, you know, the area was actually used for cocoa farms itself. But what is important is in those areas, there was almost no native forest left. So the forest had been completely taken over by cocoa farms, which is not terribly surprising, except that if they're now going into protected areas where we're trying, they're trying to protect the forest, that's not a good thing. Uh, but overall, the cocoa planting, the cocoa farms and um, planting is causing about 40% of the deforestation in protected areas in those two countries, which is not good. And that's all a bunch of downers. So I uh, decided to have a little bit about how you can help. And there's not a whole lot you can do because you can't trace where all your chocolate is coming from. 
But uh, if you buy your chocolate from smaller uh, beans to bar chocolate makers, basically small chocolate makers, many of them, you can look it up uh, from them directly, but many of them buy directly from cocoa farmers at a fair price, which means the cocoa farmers themselves are getting like a decent wage. Currently, I think the average wage for a cocoa farmer is like a dollar a day. It's really, really low. It's really bad. But, you know, people actually making craft chocolate, they're going to want a single source and are willing to pay for it. And they can pay quite a bit more for it to get the specific flavor that they want. And I'm telling all this because I too make craft chocolate. That was my COVID ho- uh, was hobby that I developed. And uh, I really like it, but you can't buy it anywhere. I just make it for myself. Too bad. What do you guys think? I had some of your chocolate. It was delicious. Good. Yes, your chocolate is very wonderful. I actually have a little bit left in my fridge. Uh, I think that is very sad that uh, that much forest has been destroyed for chocolate. Uh, It is better than forest being destroyed for tobacco, but not by much. (laughs) Yeah, I was kind of surprised because... uh, I don't know if you've seen these these quote fields for uh, cocoa plantations, but uh, cocoa comes from trees, so it's kind of like they're forests in and of themselves. Uh, but it, you know, it's basically they're re- replacing a diverse forest with you know a single plant in in a different kind of forest. Um, it's actually co- cacao tree, I guess you could say. So there's some point where cacao turns into cocoa, but I'm just calling it everything cocoa for now. For simplicity. Uh, monocultures never go wrong, right? Yeah, it's never, ever a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all it's going to take is like one disease to wipe out all of those trees. Just like what happened to the Gros Michel bananas. Yeah. Uh, there was a disease called Panama disease that wiped out basically uh, almost 100% of Gros Michel bananas, which is why the bananas we eat today are Cavendish bananas. And those are having, I think there's a disease trying to take those out now, which has so far been controlled, but that may change. Hopefully not. Anyways, I don't eat many bananas, but I eat a lot of chocolate <laughs> and cocoa. So it, deforestation is always bad. And like, it's almost always like for some other kind of agriculture. And it's, I don't know, you know, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I mean, maybe we just have to learn to live with less cocoa. Yeah, there's another way of dealing with it um, that I've read about. I think it was in this article or one link to it or something uh, where people were experimenting with basically planting the, the cocoa trees in forests that already exist. So you have a mix of plants and the cocoa trees themselves, like they don't need direct sun. In fact, they need a little bit of shade. So you can have big shade trees over top of them and it actually helps with, with production. So there is some some you can do that way, but still that that reduces the diversity to some respect uh, uh yeah we could also grow them on the moon yeah <laughs> <laughs> we just need to figure out the whole uh you know growing plants on the moon thing first right right <laughs> but then we'd have a monoculture on the moon and a disease would just take out all the all the plants on the moon that is true that's called a monoculture that's a monoculture <laughs> <laughs> boo <laughs> <laughs> all right what you got next matt all right for my next one and this is a big deal the 48 states try to destroy robo collars basically what's happening is 48 u.s that's u.s states 
uh, accuse Avid Telecom of routing billions of illegal robocalls to the U- to U.S. residents on the Do Not Call registry. And basically, you know, robocalls are those automated phone calls everybody gets, usually selling warranties or something like that. Um, many of those calls are, in fact, just out-and-out scams, including the warranty ones. Um, so basically, many of the robocalls by this Avid Telecom, that apparently I think is out of Arizona, uh, use spoof numbers to make it difficult for customers to detect that the calls were robocalls before answering. And of course, that damages the reputations of any companies whose numbers were spoofed. This is also completely illegal to spoof numbers, and there are supposed to be protections against that. But uh, many of this, the scams that went through this particular telecom uh, included a bunch of common ones. I have a whole list here. I don't think I'm going to go through them all, but you know, really bad ones like Social Security Administration scams are pretty bad, uh, and you know, Medicare scams are pretty bad. Uh, but there's just a whole list, including the auto warranty ones and all that stuff. And basically, states are a bunch of states, and particularly states' attorney generals are after it. Attorneys general is the plural, sorry, uh, are, are going after them and taking down the telecom itself instead of actually going against the specific scammers. Now, there is a separate lawsuit against at least one of the scammers that used Avid Telecom, but this particular case is interesting because they're going after the tel- telecom itself so while we're talking about it in the security i think i've brought this up somewhere before i don't know if i've talked about it specifically on the show or after the show but you know how did avid telecom get around security intended to prevent prevent spoof calls like the phone network is a private network or it's you know run by a, a number of private entities it is not a public network, so why is it even possible to spoof calls? Well, apparently, IP phone networks, which uh, Avid Telecom actually uses, are required to use the stir slash shaken authentication technology to avoid spoof calls. Now, I didn't get a, got a lot of information on what this technology it is, so I, I can't go into a lot of details, but basically, it's public key encryption that uh, is used to basically make a signature to verify that the call, you know, caller ID is who they say it is. And, and the person calling with the particular caller ID is the, you know, actually owns that ID or basically owns that phone number. And in this case, Avid Telecom was, uh, they basically provided customers with direct inward dialing. I'm not entirely sure what that is, but apparently it's a different method of uh, doing the the phone numbers i think it's an older protocol and it basically allowed them to spoof the numbers without using the stir slash shaken uh technology what do you guys think big deal hopefully some less uh robocalls yep uh bad company so there was a there was a, a program you could use for a while called FireRTC. It was a web-based program. You could just spoof a, a phone number on it. It's, spoofing a phone number is trivial. You used to even be able to do it with Google Voice, if I'm not mistaken, but Google took that feature out. Or maybe they were unaware that the feature was there and people were using Google Voice you know, in a way that it wasn't designed to be used, like kind of in the early days of Google Voice. Uh, you, there were also plugins that, you know, for old versions of Skype, that you would let you do that mind you skype didn't authorize the plugins or whatever 
that you were just able to do it. Like basically any phone based or any web based phone system, unless they disallow it, it's pretty trivial for somebody to spoof a phone number on it. Right. But I think that's why they're pushing for this authentication uh, technology to, to be used. So it could not be spoofed in the future, but apparently not everybody is supporting it. And they currently have to support older standards from what I can tell. I'm not positive on that, but I would not be surprised in the future if a lot of big telecoms just start dropping uh, calls that don't use this authentication method, which should stop spoof numbers completely. Hmm. I wonder if you could support like half of this authentication method, you know, shaken, not stir. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's where the name comes from, but I didn't actually look up the, the acronym I would assume or any details. So. Yeah, I would, assume, I would assume that's where it's from. Definitely. Yeah. All right. I've, I've used my entire pun allotment for the, uh, <laughs> for the entire, for, the for no, no, for the entire <laughs> journey that this show has been and will be. <laughs> <laughs> all right fair enough <laughs> anyway i think it's your turn now hk all right so my first story is about a standard called epub you might have heard of epub if you have a an ebook reader uh epub is a an electronic publishing standard uh and version 3.3 of that standard just came out and it is now a w3c recommendation so what that means is W3C, the World Wide Web Consortium, governs this standard now, and it is officially a web standard, which makes sense because it's based on web technologies. Basically, it is a an EPUB file is just a zip file of a bunch of HTML and XML and CSS and image files uh, that come together to make a book. Uh, it's used on uh, a number of devices like the Barnes and Noble Nook, the Kobo reader, uh, Sony's e-readers, which they don't make anymore, but the old ones support EPUB. Uh, but notably, there's one e-reader that does not support EPUB, and it's the most popular one, the Kindle. So now that EPUB is an official web standard, uh, it's going to be hard for Amazon to justify not supporting it in their e-readers i know their e-readers are pretty bare bones uh i don't even think they have a browser uh but still now it's a web standard they should support it what do you guys think they should have supported it before i think it's probably trivial to support this standard it's not exactly trivial because it, it basically takes most of a web browser like you you have to implement pretty much all of what a web browser implements to implement this standard but i'm sure they already have that and if they don't there's open source uh technologies that they could use to to have that you know amazon's not their engineers aren't stupid they could for sure implement this so my guess is amazon is is using the uh you know, DRM uh, uh, excuse or something like that. Like if, if they use a standard, people are just going to steal all, the, all their books. Or something but that's like the thing. Like, EPUB supports DRM. Yeah. You know, even if you want to, to lock those books down and make them only readable by a user logged into their Amazon account, Amazon could do that. There's no reason for them to not include EPUB. Uh, except that EPUB is what everyone distributes books as. So 
you know, Amazon having almost a monopoly on e-readers just doesn't support the thing that everyone uses. Right. And it's not to say that if they supported EPUB that they couldn't continue to use whatever file type they're using for their own books. They would just be adding support for EPUB so that you could pull your books from somewhere else, like a free book you got somewhere. You could just put it on your Kindle. That, that Yeah, they should they should certainly do that. I think they're 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 it's lock in. They're they're trying to lock yep. you in. And it's a yep. dumb thing to lock someone into. Like it's it's like the most petty of the lock-ins, I think, that I've ever heard <laughs> of, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> yep. Imagine you oh, you have a book? Oh, it would be nice if you could read that book on your Kindle, wouldn't it? It'd be a shame <laughs> if you couldn't read that book on your Kindle because you bought it somewhere else, book guy. Like, come on. <laughs> What, what, like, that's just the petty, it's the pettiest lock in. I'm, I don't care that much, but it's just extra petty, just super extra petty. Yeah. And especially because they have, they do support formats that you can put, like, they support PDF. So you could just convert an EPUB to a PDF and put it on your Kindle. There is no reason for them to not support EPUB other than like just making it a little bit harder. To, to work with everyone else. Kind of like Tesla with their chargers, you know? Kind of. Uh, well, technically, Tesla's added uh, adapters for their chargers now. So a lot of them, not all of them, can be used for any car. Yeah. Exactly so, what I said, though. Just making it a little bit harder to work <laughs> with everyone else. <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, Amazon doesn't even have, yeah, doesn't even have the adapter, right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. You have to get that. You have to get that yourself. Yep. Yeah. Just, that's just dumb. But yeah. I'm glad that, I'm glad this is a web standard now. That's pretty cool. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that it's with all, before that it was declared, it was all but declared a web standard anyway, because like you're, you're before this, a, a browser could open an EPUB book, right? Uh, some browsers can. Uh, I know there's an extension for Firefox that lets you open EPUB books. Uh, I think, uh, does Opera have it built in? I don't know. I, some browsers might have it built in, but there's certainly uh, extensions that you can have to open them. Well, very cool. What do you got next? All right. So my next one is the latest Dino release supports compiling NPM packages. Dino is a uh, competitor to Node.js. If you've heard of Node.js, basically it runs javascript on the server side and dino is a competitor to that dino runs javascript on the server side dino also like node.js uses the v8 javascript engine which is the javascript engine that chrome uses so if you're using google chrome you already use this same javascript engine but dino has a lot of uh, other nice features and one of them is the dino compile command which converts your Dino application to one single binary. And up until this release, Dino compile didn't support NPM packages. So these are packages that are written for Node. NPM stands for Node Package Manager. They're packages that are written uh, with the, the intention to run on Node.js. And Dino has supported them since 1.28, Dino 1.28. Uh, but now with Dino 1.34, 
you can compile npm packages as well including you can just compile an npm package it doesn't even have to be a dino package uh i tried it with my own package called nephily serve uh and it almost worked the only reason it didn't work is because i was using a a uh a node uh something that is built on top of node that's written in C that doesn't work in Dino. Uh, but it's very cool that, you know, as long as you're just using nodes, uh, available functionality without adding things on top of it, uh, Dino should be able to compile your NPM package. Uh, and what this means is that you can distribute one single binary with all of your dependencies. So kind of like uh, how app image works for Linux software, uh, you have one package that one binary that has all of your dependencies that includes Dino, Dino itself. Uh, so it would have Dino itself, it would have your code and it would have all the NPM packages that your code relies on, which is very cool. Any questions about that? So that's, it's the idea is so that it's like cross platform, like with the, uh, with the uh with the with the what was that the npm package mm -hmm. so yeah you so you could compile uh your npm package to run as a standalone binary on windows on linux and on mac and just distribute those uh binaries to your users very cool yep. yeah I've, I've got a lot of experience on the server side but not with any like JavaScript or, <laughs> or, or, uh, any of those, that stuff, the, the things that allow, allow you to run server side JavaScript. So, uh, interesting. I, I knew about half those words. Good. <laughs> uh, I'm a Node.js developer. It's what I develop my, uh, it's what I'm building my email system in. Uh, it's what I build basically all my software in. Uh, and I also write Electron software, which is uh, basically a Chromium window uh, that interacts with a Node.js application. Uh, so I'm intimately familiar with Node.js and I was checking this out today and it really impressed me. So as a Node.js developer, I am quite impressed at what Dino has done here. Very nice. And just kind of, maybe tang tangentially the one the only thing i don't like about these like universal packages is ends up there just ends up being like bloat everywhere but i don't think this is going to be the case because these are going to be much <laughs> smaller than like you know where if you're running everything as a snap or an app Im image and it's got all the dependencies in it now you have you know every dependency that you need is now packaged with the app and so now instead of just having it once you've got it 50 times and it, yeah. it fills up a lot of space, but I don't think, I think the, what we're talking about here that I think if I'm not mistaken, though, the files and stuff are going to be a lot smaller. And yeah. It's, it's, I, when I, not... when I compiled my server, uh, binary, it compiled down to like 95 megabytes. So it's pretty small binaries that it outputs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Great. I don't know. I don't know anything about that, but <laughs> it sounds sounds like it's going to work for work for a lot of people, and uh, developers are going to like it. So I guess unfortunately now it's my turn because I bring the bad news. Well, we have uh, Elon's boring company and SpaceX are applying for permission to dump treated wastewater into the Colorado River at their location in uh, Bestrop County, Texas. Sounds great, right? Who wouldn't want that? Um, <laughs> so. 
They've already had some problems with regulators regarding runoff, and the neighbors are happy for the jobs. But they don't really trust Elon's company to clean up after themselves for, you know, whatever reason. And the article that I've linked here uh, focuses on one guy. He's a software engineer, actually, up there who seems like a bit of an Elon stan, but isn't didn't seem too pleased about the uh, developments up there. So, uh, I don't know, are either you surprised that uh, the people in the neighborhood where his... Uh, where Elon put a put some factories and stuff for uh starting to get annoyed with him. Not at all surprised. Yep, I'm not at all surprised. And my guess is that Texas will allow them to to dump their their waste into the river. Uh, you know, it's Texas. And I mean, this yeah. is like this isn't just some random river. This is the Colorado River. This is like it's one of those like American like iconic bits of like bits of geography you know you should yeah, not also provides water for like much of the the southwest like well, many of the people living there in the southwest draw you know take their water use their water from uh, the colorado river and it's good like that he's returning water back to the colorado river instead of letting it evaporate off but and it's good that he at least claims that it's treated, but yeah, like, do you trust Elon Musk to properly treat it? Are they doing like follow on testing to make sure that it, the water is properly treated and, um, you know, back to basically just water being put back in? Uh, are they doing enough testing? Like who knows what chemicals they're using? Is there, if they test for just the ones that they're treating for, then yeah, it's going to look great. But what if there's some other chemicals that are getting through? Uh, they're not testing for one of the funniest quotes in there is like oh some other person that they uh, they talked to said i like elon musk but i don't really want his poop in the river (laughs) i mean that's the least of the problems you know right if it was actually like waste human waste like there's ways of dealing with that you can let nature take care of that for the most part uh after some basic treatment but uh it's really the what chemicals are they using in the in factories that are harmful to human health and wildlife health in general uh, that we don't even know about. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's all bad. The other thing that the people were saying was that the, 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 the facility is just kind of an eyesore that it was in like a beautiful place and that they were, they did not expect the facility to just be ugly, but <laughs> <laughs> that's not surprising. <laughs> But, you know, this shouldn't surprise anybody, but like it just, you know, if you're going to put up like a, uh, just the the pictures they were showing of the area in the article, people should check out the article. The pictures, the the area was beautiful. And then they like had a picture where they uh, like backed out and you saw the factory and you're like, what is that doing there? <laughs> <laughs> Looked like it didn't belong there. <clears throat> there were other problems with like the roads, like going up to the factory, how they, these, you know, in sort of typical Elon Musk fashion didn't really do everything they needed to do before they put the roads in and just, just, you know, a lot of little stuff that kind of piles up and kind of annoys the people who live there. So that's that one. And my next one is I've never really been a fan of HP for their uh, consumer products. Cause they're always doing, they're always doing dumb stuff for a long time. They just made really bad laptops and desktop computers that just didn't work. And like wouldn't even last as long as their warranty. Um, but now, now 
Their new printer is a big jerk. It's not the new printer. It's their most popular printer on Amazon. You get six months of uh, free ink, but it comes with some really nasty DRM. It's an $85 wireless printer and scanner. Seems like a great deal. You have seven days from the time you plug it in and connect it to your internet to decide whether or not you're going to join HP+. HP Plus gives you six months of free ink and extends the warranty. And I'm not kidding. Also plants a tree. And, uh, but then it makes it so that you can just never use third-party ink ever. Um, I'm sure there'll be people that'll find a way to kind of crack this. But the problem with this isn't so much that you have to buy their ink now. The problem is when they discontinue this printer, if you like really like this printer and they're not making ink for it anymore, the price of the ink skyrockets on the, on the aftermarket. And so now you can't use a third-party ink and so you are stuck either overpaying for the ink because you like the printer, which I'm not sure who would re- who's going to like this $85 printer that much. Or guess what, guys? You go buy another printer. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I would highly recommend everyone skip HP altogether. None of their printers are good. Uh, and buy a printer that takes bottles of ink. Uh, the one that I have right over here is called an Epson Eco Tank printer, and they're very expensive. Like you, you look at that printer. My printer here probably has like about the same features. Uh, it's a little bigger, so maybe it holds more pages, or uh, you know, it, it's got a document feeder, not just a flatbed. So it's got some more features, but it's not. A whole lot more so you'd think maybe that printer would cost like 150 dollars if it were an hp printer uh which is probably true but then you'd be stuck buying their grossly expensive ink this printer here is 360 dollars and there's a reason that it's 360 dollars because that's the fucking price of the printer if you don't subsidize it with extremely expensive ink you end up just buying the price of the hardware which is what I want to do when I buy a printer. I don't want to like buy the printer super cheap. It would be like buying a car with the where like your car takes a special kind of gas that costs like $15 a gallon. Like that would be ridiculous. Why would you do that? (laughs) But the car itself is only (laughs) $5,000. So, you know, if you're going to buy a printer, you might as well just pay the cost of the printer and get something that can take just a bottle of ink. And the bottles of ink for this thing, I've had this printer for like uh, two years now or almost two years. I'm still on the first bottle of ink and I've printed out like several binders full of like documentation for uh, protocols with this thing. So I've probably printed about 3,000 pages on it and it's still got half the black ink left from the first bottle. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and for most people like I, the other, the other thing I'm going to say is just buy a laser printer. <laughs> like from, if you don't need color, just buy a laser printer. And like HK was saying, buy one where you're paying a couple hundred, 300, $250 for the printer so that you're not buying into somebody's toner cartridge program. You just find one that the, the toner cartridge doesn't have a chip on it. That's all that that's that's if the toner cartridge doesn't have a chip on it, there's no DRM. So that's like fairly simple. I have a I have a laser printer. I think I paid $140 for it like 5 years ago. 
It's fantastic. It's discontinued, but the every like Linux people love it because you just plug it into your network via the ethernet cable. And it doesn't matter what kind of Linux you have. It just sees the printer and prints on it. <laughs> and so people like the Linux community and a lot and like people just love it. You, you, you can still get them used for like a hundred bucks, even though like they were 180 or 200 or something. And there's just, you can get ink, you can get not ink, but toner for it all day long. And the toner cartridges from like third parties or anywhere between 20 and $40. And it's just cause you bought, I bought the printer itself when, when I bought the printer, I didn't buy into somebody's ink scam or into somebody's yeah. toner scam. And that's another thing is you want something where there are third party uh, manufacturers for it. Like with HP, I think they have patents on certain of their designs that they like very strictly control who can make their ink cartridges. Uh, so you'll see this, this little plastic cartridge of ink that costs like $80. And the, the bottle of ink for this guy that lasts... It, on the ink bottle, it says it lasts 6,000 pages, which I think is true based on my experience. Uh, that bottle of ink from Epson costs $15. <laughs> right. And then you could get like third party bottles of ink for like $10. I've seen them go down as low as like $8, but I probably wouldn't buy an $8 bottle of ink. I mean, I'm just going to buy the Epson ink. Like, right. Let them, let them, add, let, them great. let them make a reasonable <laughs> profit on selling you the ink afterward, right? They, they'll, they'll make a few bucks on it and that's fine, right? It's like, yeah. how much do you think HP is making on that $80 cyan <laughs> ink cartridge that you, oh, and you know what the other thing these printers do? My, my parents had one that did this where if, if the blue went out, you just can't print. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter that you're just trying to print a black piece of like you, 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 yep. they all have to, it, it will just tell you you're out of ink. Even if you're just out of one of them and you're just trying to print a black and white document, a hundred percent guaranteed this HP printer does that. Yep. <laughs> no cyan. So it's, oh, it's, that's okay. I'm just trying to print this black and white. No cyan. No cyan. <laughs> I wonder if, it, I wonder if it disables the scanner too, if you're out of ink. Oh, I'm pretty sure the HP ones do. Yeah. Or if you're not <laughs> subscribed to the like HP plus thing, uh, I, I remember them. I could be misremembering, but I think I remember like a, a couple years ago, they made the scanner part not work if you weren't subscribed and people got really pissed about it and they, uh, they backtracked it. But my guess is they've re-implemented it. So, but yeah, so in another like six years, when I go through the two bottles of ink that this thing came with. Uh, I'm just going to buy another $15 bottle of Epson ink and I'll have ink for basically my life. If I spend like, you know, a couple hundred bucks to buy like a big box full of ink. The other thing HP does that they, and I don't think they realize it is by making really crappy consumer products. They're shooting themselves in the foot on the enterprise because people don't really differentiate between HPE and HP. And so if you're going to go buy printers for your business and you just read this story, you're like, Hey, I heard that about, you've heard about that company brother. We should buy printers from brother or Epson or <laughs> even Dell or Samsung, just anyone, anyone else, because they would, the, you didn't just read this story about this jerk of a printer that HP put out. Yep. Yeah. And if HP is willing to screw over their consumers, of course they're willing to screw over their enterprise customers. Yeah. And even though their enterprise stuff is generally pretty good and you're not going to run into this problem there, you will be able to buy third-party ink for like an, 
like a one of those big HP printers, you know, floor standing ones, you will be able to buy third party ink. It's just the they're never going to tell you that. <laughs> and you just have this nasty taste in your mouth from the HP printer that you bought at home. And like I said, the worst part of this is actually when HP, HP discontinues this ink. Now people, then people like me would just be like, well, you're an idiot. And you bought this printer. I have a, I found a giant box of this ink and I'm going to charge top dollar for it. Fuck you, dumbass. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sell it on eBay for as much as I could possibly get because I'm still <laughs> rocking the same laser printer I've had for five years. <laughs> And you should That's capitalism, baby. <laughs> so, yeah, I, that the, I was more mad about the second story, even though the first story I had was like more important and impacts more people's lives in a more direct way. Although, where do all those little tiny ink cartridges end up? They end up in the landfill. And they, they grow into a tree, right? Are they, they grow into a tree. tree. <laughs> That's how they plant a tree, right? <laughs> Wait, all these, but all these little, there's just like two seeds inside the ink cartridge. <laughs> grow, you grow a cyan tree, like a GMO cyan tree that scares that living crap out of like some conspiracy theorist somewhere. But yeah, and they, it bears fruit, except instead of oranges, they're cyans. And you know, the, this ink cartridge with like the residue of the ink that it's using ends up in the landfill and that's just not good for that's just not good for the good for the planet so yeah these the big tank ones are good and i think the the laser printer ones those are there's probably some pretty nasty stuff in the toner cartridges for those but if you like you know like you were saying six i uh six thousand pages is the last toner cartridge i bought and it's been in there i print more than most people because i like if people notice like during the shows if you kind of see i have uh print out, i print out dockets for this show uh, for the down ballot local news show and then for the Sunday show, the the, the rapid fire uh, news panic attack we do here. And uh, so I do print more than other people. Plus, I you know I have to print stuff, this and that for what's left of my day job. Or if I just want notes in front of me, if I'm interviewing somebody, I always print it out. But yeah, I mean, I've had this this cartridge since I can't even I think. I might have bought it like at the beginning of the pandemic. <laughs> like. <laughs> and I, yeah. I print more than most people <clears throat> so yeah just just keep in mind that like when you're buying especially like something like a printer first of all most people don't even need a printer but so the the other thing that happens is really it messed up with these two is these little tiny ink cartridges they dry out mm -hmm. so yeah you'd be lucky to get like 250 pages out of one of them before they dry out right even if they're not even if they wouldn't have been emptied by you you know people buy these cheap printers because they're like oh i never really print anything but then when they go to print something their cartridges are all dried <laughs> out and then they end up going to like the the fedex office or kinko's or whatever anyway because their printer doesn't work and then because they've looked online like i need three of these things wait a minute these these cartridges are almost each is almost as much as the printer Six months free yeah. ink is nothing for most people. Most people don't use their printer. Yeah, I can't. I was going to say I can't remember the last time I printed something, but I actually do. And the last time I printed something was for some legal documents that I needed to print out and sign or something like that. I don't remember the exact details, but like, and then most signature stuff is now done online anyways. So <laughs> that was just kind of a unique thing. I think it was actually something I had to go to the, the government, U S government and they're a little bit behind, but like I hardly ever print stuff out. So yeah. How many sheets do you think six months of free ink is for the average consumer? 
<laughs> Ten? Probably six. For me, it'd be like two. <laughs> <laughs> Even for me, it would be like maybe 150. Well, six months. Let's see. You print no, out six a docket every day. <laughs> that would be 180 if I did a single sheet. But yeah. let's say three dockets a week, you know, 24 weeks in six months. So that's 75 and then multiply that by like three or four. Yeah, it's less than 500. Like way yeah. less than, and I print like a lot. Like most people, yeah. I'm telling you, most people, the first six, they buy the printer, they hook it up, they make, they print the test sheet and then they don't use the printer for six months. <laughs> yeah. They're like, hey, check this out. This we, we, We've never had a wireless printer before because their old printer, they didn't even think to replace for the last four years because they've used it three times in the last four years. <laughs> and another thing people don't realize is if you don't print for a while, uh, your printer is going to flush, uh, like it, it's going to clean its print heads by flushing ink. Right. And that is just going to waste a lot of your ink. So even if you don't print once in a while, these printers are still terrible deals because you're just going to be wasting a bunch of ink every time you do print. That's why for most people, most people don't need color printing and it's, it's kind of counterintuitive, right? Because if you remember like when we were young, laser printers were kind of, nobody had them, right? Cause they were kind of expensive, but now mm -hmm. for most people, if you don't need color, like a laser printer is the way to go because it doesn't flush anything. You're, you're going to get the sheets out of it. It's just going to be more expensive. And not even, you could still, you get a laser printer for 120 bucks, but just don't buy the HP one, buy the Samsung one that's 160 <laughs> because like, then you'll be able to use third party ink cart or third party, uh, third party, um, third party toner on it. But yeah, this, this six months of free ink, people are like, oh, that's great. It's like, no, Susan, you're going to print out four documents. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then you're going to have to buy $60 ink cartridges. Four of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the price of a real printer and now you're <laughs> yeah. still stuck with this printer but uh at least you got to print those four documents for free <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you know if you go to fedex kinko's or i think it's just called fedex office now uh you can print out four documents for like 40 cents so if, if they're you color really don't if, print if, that often if they're color to an office store if they're color it might cost you two bucks <laughs> yeah well yeah <laughs> Yeah, this is this is all bad. D most for most people don't buy a printer. Honestly, most people yep. just don't even buy the thing. Like I don't care. Yeah, like, definitely not this one. Yeah, but for most people, I mean, in, if you live in like a city or a suburb and you have a thumb drive, you don't need a printer. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you don't. You could even do the full service thing where you go, "Hey, there's three files on here. Can I get four copies of each one?" Go get yourself a mocha and come back and they overcharge you for that. Oh no, you're out eight bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, but HP didn't screw you over at any point during this process. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe even tip. Be like, here's 10, keep the change. I'm just glad I didn't have to buy a printer. And not for nothing, <laughs> if it took most people, they'll buy a printer and not only do they not use it, but then when they go to use it, they can't get it to work. Because they're the yeah. crappiest piece of technology you're ever going to buy because of all the moving parts in it. They're the, going to be the first thing to break. So just just go to the FedEx office. Yeah, these cheap printers, like they are made cheap. Like I, I know they're subsidized, like the ink does subsidize them, but they're still made to be 
ridiculously cheap so that if you never end up actually buying ink, uh, the company doesn't lose much money. They might lose a little or it might be sold at cost, but you know, they're like, you can't build a good printer for $85, just period. You cannot do that. So this, this one here that's $360, it probably costs them close to $200 to make. Right. And I, I'd say if you print stuff less than once a month, just don't buy a printer. You yeah. Let someone else, they have a whole <laughs> place full of printers where I don't know how, but they all work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if they don't work, if they don't work, somebody will help you. A printer, like basically if you don't have someone to help you with your printer, don't buy the printer. Even if it's just emotional support from your life partner or whatever, you're just crying now because your printer doesn't work. You're like, I spent, I could, we could have gone out to a nice dinner for $85, but instead we have this crappy printer. Anyway, that's, we could do what we could do. We could keep going on this, but that's, that's, that's the end of my stories. Don't buy this $85 printer. Like HK was saying. If you do buy an inkjet printer, buy one of the ones with the big tanks. I've heard good things about the ones you have, and I think there's another company that does it. Um, yeah, I think Brother does it as well. I could be wrong, but I'm I'm pretty sure Brother has a a ink tank printer. And if you buy a laser printer, just go go out and punch the name of the laser printer into like eBay and make sure there are uh, third parties making uh, ink for it. Not necessarily. It might be better to buy the genuine toner. It might be you know it may be it might be better than the third party toner. But the, then if the company that makes your printer stops making the toner and your printer works just fine, which is, which would be a, which is a miracle for most people, then you can just put other toner in it and it still works fine. So that's like, that's also just for the longevity of the product because you don't want to end up having to throw it away or recycle it or whatever, just cause you can't get toner. Cause that's wasteful. And then if you actually yeah. spent good money on the printer, then you're, I don't know, the whole thing's, the whole thing's messed up for most of you just go to FedEx. Yeah. Um, whose turn is it to read the show out? I think it's yours. Oh, I'm good at this. And then mine's next week. So I'm good at this. <laughs> I, I, I read all of my shows out. Most of my shows I read out like, all right, I'm really tired and I've had four cocktails. Who are we rating? But I guess we don't do that here. Um, <laughs> thanks everybody for checking out how the tech are you. This is our weekly tech show usually comes out on Wednesdays. Although lately I haven't been able to get it out till Thursday, but whatever. Uh, thanks for uh, downloading it. Make sure you're subscribed on your a podcatcher of choice. And if you want to support this project, eplex.store has a membership that is very much like Patreon, except you get a discount on any of our swag in the swag shop, such as this tinfoil hat that I'm currently wearing. And if you're on Patreon and don't want to sign up for another service, I totally understand it. Patreon.com slash Echoplex. Everything else, just find it. Echoplexmedia.com. Have a great tech week, everybody.